Judges chapter 11. I'm going to get right into the word of the Lord. Judges chapter 11. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 1. The book of Judges, the 11th chapter. And we're going to read verses 1 through 6. And I'm going to read from the NIV version. I like the way it kind of outlines the story here for us. And then we'll do our best as God has led us to draw some principles that are applicable to our lives. And this is what it says. Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You are not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. Sometime later, when the Ammonites were fighting against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. I, I want to share with you something that God has laid upon my heart, and I, the title will make sense here in a moment, but I want to minister for a few moments from the subject, A Name Better Than My Circumstance. A Name Better Than My Circumstance. What's in a name? To most families, the naming of a child is a special occasion. Nowadays, some folks get really creative. They search and search for just the right name. Sometimes books are even bought that list thousands of suggested names. Search online. Even family lineages are searched. Biblical names are often reviewed. Each family searches for just the right name. In scripture, names had meaning. From the first man who was named Adam, he was named because he was remembering the red dirt from which he was made. To the first woman named Eve, she was named as such because she was the, to be the mother of all living. Names meant something in scripture. A biblical name gave to you to believe something about the nature of that person. Or possibly even the circumstances in which that child was born into. Isaac in our Bible, his name reflected his mother's laughter at his birth. Esau's name literally described his appearance. Jacob was named Jacob because it meant supplanter, heel grabber, because of his unusual clutching of his twin brother's heel. Moses came by his name because he was drawn from the water. Many times in scripture, you can even find that the parents placed a shortened form of God's name in their child's name. You'll see it in names like Elisha. 
Elijah, Daniel, Isaiah, and even the one of our text, Jephthah. Behind each name was a story. And there is a story behind the meaning of Jephthah's name. Because as we read in verse number one of Judges 11, Jephthah was a Gileadite. He was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. But then this was inserted there as well to help paint a picture of this young man's life. It says his mother was a prostitute. From the world's oldest profession came the world's ancient curse. The child of a prostitute was despised in those days. And this was the very circumstance of Jephthah's birth. However, what is very interesting to me is that he was not named the son of a harlot. His name did not mean son of a prostitute. He had to live with the ramifications of the circumstances of his birth, but he didn't have to be named accordingly. Someone gave Jephthah a valuable gift. He was given a name which was better than his circumstance. Regardless of the condition of his birth, each and every time his name was called, it was a divine memo. It was a divine message because the name Jephthah literally means God will set me free. Oh, I want to preach to somebody here today that can relate with Jephthah and says, My, I was born into a family that, that, that really has a, a colorful past. There's some issues in my home and my home wasn't always the greatest thing, but can I tell you, there's a word for your life that regardless of where you come from, regardless of where you've been, God can set you free. Oh, I can imagine every time Jephthah heard his name, he heard, I might be here right now, but God is going to set me free. I might got trouble right now, but God is going to set me free. His name reminded him, Jephthah, wherever you are, God will set you free. And so what does it mean to us today? The first thing I would like to point out is that all too often, we let circumstances rule us. No one expected much from this son of a prostitute named Jephthah. The stigma stuck with him, even to the point that it was included here in our text. I can almost hear somebody say, I don't see much coming out of that boy. But how many of you know that sight is not objective? We usually see what we expect to see. If we've been conditioned to see evil, we see evil. If we've been conditioned to see good, we see good. Let me put it to you this way. If you are constantly in a negative environment, you tend to see everything negative. 
If all you have is negativity in your life and negative voices and people that are so pessimistic and people that are always looking at the worst in things, in every situation you find yourself, you'll be conditioned to look for the worst. And that's why there's some people that just can't seem to advance in life. Their relationships go nowhere. The direction of their life doesn't seem to get any better. Why? Because you're constantly looking at what's wrong with everything. Well, this is what's wrong with my family. And this is what's wrong with my spouse. And this is what's wrong with my children. This is what's wrong with my life. And this is what's wrong with my job. And, And we're so conditioned to always look at the negative. But I've come to encourage somebody here today that if you start looking just a little bit higher and say, yeah, there's some struggles and yes, life can get hard, but, but I believe there's a God who can change my situation, who can change my circumstance. And so our circumstances often condition us to either see evil or to see good. Circumstances were not favorable for Jephthah and conditioned by his surroundings this young man could have very easily adopted the mindset which says well they think I'm terrible I might as well be terrible and there's some folks in this room you don't raise your hand but you know who that I'm talking about you today you've been either living up or living down to people's expectations Oh, there goes my rebellious brother. And so you're like, oh, rebellious brother? I'll show you rebellious brother. There goes my crazy sister. Oh, you think I'm crazy? I'll show you crazy. You ain't seen crazy. I'm just barely getting warmed up. Oh, there goes so-and-so and so. And so we carry those labels almost like challenges. Okay, I'll show you. I'll show you. And Jephthah could have very easily have said, okay, you guys think I'm rebellious? You guys think I have, I have nothing worth living for? You, you think my life is going nowhere? I'll show you how far I can go. And so someone said it like this. Paint a child with a brush of criticism and he or she will grow critical. Paint a child with the stiff bristles of rejection and he or she will begin to seek rejection rather than love. Call a child something long enough and he or she will either live up or live down to reach that name. Why? Because we are always allowing circumstances to rule us. We allow our surroundings to determine how far we're going to go, what we're going to accomplish, that that's the highest goal in in your family. Well, nobody in my family's gone to college, so I'm not going to go to college. Nobody in my family's ever owned their own business, so I'll never own my own business. Nobody in my family's ever been baptized in Jesus' name, so I guess this is not for me. Nobody in my family's ever made it in church, so I guess church is not for us. And we allow our surroundings to rule us and dictate to us who we're going to be but somebody needs to make up in their mind there's a God in heaven that can set me free there's a God in heaven that can turn my life around there's a God in heaven that can give me a fresh start now I'm talking to the church here today you can't forget who you are and whose you are 
When you come into Christ, you become a new creature. When you get baptized in Jesus' name, you take on a new identity. And you're no longer where you come from. You're no longer what people told you when you were growing up. But then you become a son and daughter of the king. You become a son and daughter of Jesus. Now I've got a new identity. Now I've got a new purpose. Now I've got a new hope. Now I've got a new goal in my life. Which leads me to the second thing. God can deliver us from unfavorable circumstances. Since the beginning of time, God delights in taking little and making much out of it. Someone spoke a word of faith over a despised son of a harlot and told them, God will set you free. And guess what? God did. Can I tell you sometimes we let circumstances rule us but through faith in God we can triumph over those very same circumstances. And this is what the story where the story gets very interesting. Because of who his mother was and how much his older brothers despised him his entire family rejected Jephthah. And he found himself nowhere with nobody. And all of a sudden, some troublemakers decided to say, hey, this guy looks like he could be our leader. Imagine that. The troublemaker said, hey, you're the leader. And so now he's a leader of troublemakers. And the Bible says that as he grew, people begin to notice how strong and courageous he was. To the point that his own family noticed. And together the scripture says, a fearful community and a vindictive family that drove him away. Now when they were in trouble, they called for Jephthah. Those folks that told him he would never amount to anything. Those folks that told him he shouldn't bother coming home for Christmas. Those folks that told him you're no longer a part of us. All of a sudden needed him. I just want to park the bus here for a minute and just tell somebody, you got to live with your heart pure. You got to live with your conscience clean because the same people that reject you will one day need you. The same family that wants nothing to do with you will come knocking and say, hey, cousin, hey, hey brother, hey, hey, primo, we, we we're reaching out because we need your help. That's why you got to be careful not to get resentful and bitter. And here's the church, we've got to be careful because so easily we could get resentful. We can get bitter. We can fill ourselves with bitterness. See, I'll never see my family again. I'll never reach out to them. Look at what they said to me. Look at what they did to me. And then we get baptized in Jesus' name and we get filled with the Holy Ghost. But guess what? That baptism doesn't take away the bitterness. Well, let me just get down here so you can hear me a little bit better. <laughs> baptism deals with sin, not with your bitterness. Yes. And so we come out of the waters of baptism, clean and a new creature, but still with resentment inside of us. And so I'm encouraging somebody, let that stuff go. 
because you're not that anymore. You're not that person that you used to be. You're not that person that your family used to know. So forgive. Let it go. Why? Because there's a day coming when your family's going to need you. There's a day coming when that loved one's going to say, hey, could you pray for me? Hey, can I come to church with you? Hey, I need your help. And we've got to be at the right place to say, I'll help you. I'll be, I know you rejected me, but I'll reach out to you. I know you tried to hurt me, but I'll try to help you. I know you attacked me, but that's okay. Jesus has saved me. He's washed me in his blood. I forgive you. Let me help you get to Jesus. Because we're living in a time where the tables are about to turn. Where people are, are, getting, are already there now. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to make their situation better. They don't know how to heal. They don't know how to overcome those things. And you and I that are in Christ, we have found it. His name is Jesus. But if we hold on to the past, if we hold on to all those things, we'll never be ready to minister to those that we love. And Jephthah could have been like some of us and said, oh, you need me now. Oh, okay. Now you want me to lend you some money. Okay. Just a week ago, my money was no good, but now you need it. Oh, now you want me to help you find a job. When you were telling people how horrible my job was. Okay, now you need my help. Oh, okay. And we could be that way very easily, but that's toxic. That's someone that's never healed. That's someone that's full of resentment. And that's no good for you or for your family or for the future that God has for you. But Jephthah was able to shrug all that stuff off. Yeah, he was rejected and that rejection hurt. Yeah, he was told to leave and I can imagine it hurt him to walk away from the only family and loved ones that he had known. But it was a part of his destiny. Oh God, I just want to talk to somebody here today that if it would have never been for that rejection, Jephthah would have never became a leader. Because we know that in his father's house, he was never going to be a leader. In his father's house, he was going to be the son, as the Bible said, of another woman. Oh, but God allowed the rejection to get him out to where there was nobody there to develop the leadership abilities and the calling that he was later going to need to save the very same family that rejected. I'm talking to somebody here today. That rejection helped you to become what you are today. Oh, I'm talking to some real folks here this afternoon. I wish I had somebody that could say, yeah, pastor, when they rejected me, my life got better. When they rejected me, I had to learn how to live on my own. When they rejected me, I figured out there's more in me than I even realized. And so if Jephthah would have never been rejected, he would have never became a leader. God had to kick him out of his house to develop the gifts that were inside of him. And there's somebody in this room here today that's been kicked out of a few places. And you're looking back and say, what did I do? Absolutely nothing. God was trying to prepare you for something greater. Because that relationship was no good for you. That friendship was no good for you. 
Your family couldn't help you to get you to where God wanted you to get. But now Jephthah's out in the desert all by himself developing leadership abilities, telling how to walk with a crowd behind him, learning how to give orders, learning how to give direction, learning how to lead people so that he can go back and save his family from an onslaught. And so God was preparing Jephthah like God is preparing you. And that's why certain things have happened in your life. And they've all made you who you are. You're stronger today than you've ever been. Why? Because of all those things that happened to you. So don't get resentful. Don't get bitter. Realize it's God that's been working on me. It's God that's been preparing me. And I believe that Jephthah knew all this was going to happen. Because while he's out there in the desert leading a bunch of what the NIV calls scoundrels, I believe he knew it would happen because his name said so. His vindication would come and help would come from God. And so Jephthah was delivered with a good name. Can I tell you, God delights in delivering people from unfortunate circumstances. And here's what's powerful to me, the third thing. God delivers people to a good place. Someone say a good place. Let, let, let me show you something. The Bible says that Jephthah dwelt in the land of Tob. If you look up that word Tob, it literally means a good land. And so God took him out of his father's house. God took him out of a place of security and comfort. But he didn't take him to a place that was worse. The Bible says he took him to a land called Tob. It was a good land. Later down the road, we find him being anointed the ninth judge of Israel. And we see him in that very short time unschooled in the ways of God. Trying to worship a God that he hardly knew. We see him attempting to make vows before God. Imperfect though he was, God had set him in a good place. And this teaches us something to the believers and perhaps one of the most profound secrets in living the abundant life in Christ Jesus. And it's the following. We are not truly delivered from something until we are delivered to something. God was working deliverance in Jephthah's life. But hear me, it wasn't God just taking him out of something. It was God taking him out in order to put him in something better. Let, let me show you what the scriptures, Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Look at what the word of God says. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from, someone say from, from. the power of darkness 
and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. What does that mean? We are not free when we leave darkness. We are free when we step into the light. What am I trying to say? It's not God's sole desire to pull you out of the world, to pull you out of addiction, to pull you out of drugs and alcohol and all the things that will never satisfy you. That's only part. The other side of deliverance is God putting you into his body, God putting you into his purpose, God putting you into his plan. That's the full work of deliverance. My concern is, is that a lot of folks want to be delivered from, but you also need to be delivered into. Because God will break the chains over your life. And there's some folks in this room that have been carrying chains of addiction for some time. Chains of disappointment, chains of fear over your life. God can break those chains in a second and set you completely free. What a recovery program could never do for you, Jesus can do for you in a moment. What a rehabilitation center could take months to accomplish. One moment in God's presence, those chains are broken. That yoke is destroyed. But hear me, God does that in order to bring you into a relationship with him. Bring you into a place where now you can serve your purpose and reach other people the same way God reached you. Let me tell you this. We're not free when we leave something behind. We are free when we find something better. We are not free when we say, I'll stop doing this. But we are free when we say, I'll start doing this. And that's when true deliverance happens. True deliverance says, I don't need this alcohol anymore. I don't need these cigarettes. I don't need these drugs. I don't need this violent lifestyle. I don't need those things anymore. But you know what I'm going to pick up now? I'm going to pick up a Bible. I'm going to pick up a prayer life. I'm going to pick up a, a lifestyle of worship. I'm going to pick up a lifestyle of witnessing. And I'm going to tell other people what Jesus has done for me. I'm going to pick up a towel of service and start serving in the kingdom of God. It's not so much what you stop doing as it's important as what you start doing. And why are you preaching like this, Pastor? Because there's folks that will get delivered in a second. But because they never tap in to the next thing, they never grow in their walk with God. And after a while, we say, well, you know what? I don't smoke anymore. I don't drink anymore. I don't go around those people anymore. I don't do those kind of things. I don't dress that way anymore. But, but all of a sudden, I just don't feel, I just don't feel what, what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I'm lost here. Why? Because you only got half delivered. Because from deliverance and that first aspect, now it's what am I doing with my deliverance? Because it's God's intention to take you to a good place. It's God's intention to take you and your family, not just out of, but into. Not just out of chaos, but into love and harmony. Not just out of fear and darkness, but into light, into joy, into a life of purpose. These are the things that Jesus makes available to us. 
And for the church, it's called the law of forward motion. What does that mean? You see an example of this in the Old Testament. As long as Israel went forward following the fire by night and the cloud by day, they were cleansed. This is what I call holiness by moving towards God. Oh God, I don't have time for this, but again, I'm going to talk to the churches for a minute. Holiness, I'm going to get in trouble. It might just go viral, but pray for me. Holiness is not just what you take off. Holiness is moving towards God. I'm going to get in trouble, but that's okay. I'm a big boy. A lot of folks think that holiness is no longer this and no longer that, but yet we never move towards God. Oh, gosh. So you have people that know how to dress but don't know how to talk. Sorry. We're going to go viral together today. Tag yourself. We're going viral. People know where to sit in church but don't know how to act out there. Because holiness is not just taken off. Holiness is moving towards. I'm moving closer to Jesus. And guess what happens? The closer I get to Jesus, the more I become like him. And because he's holy, ultimately I become holy. He's loving, and so I become loving. So it's the law of forward motion. Watch, watch, watch. I need something more theological, Pastor. Let me give you a little bit of theology. This is called righteousness by faith. I'm made righteous before God by my faith steps towards him. And so half deliverance is, yes, I no longer do that. I no longer go there. I'm no longer about that life. Wonderful. That's only half deliverance. The next aspect is I'm going to do whatever it takes to draw closer to Jesus. That's true holiness. I'm going to develop a prayer life. I'm going to get lost in his presence. I'm going to fast. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to love everybody. Why? Because the closer I get to him, the more I become like him. And there's some folks I wonder who they're getting close to. Because the closer you get to Jesus, the more merciful you become. The more forgiving you become. The more kind you become. The more loving you become. The more friendly. Some people are so holy, they're not even friendly. And I really wonder how holy they are because if you start getting close to Jesus, you become like him. He's a God of love. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God that doesn't judge you but forgives you. I want to become more like him. Is there anybody in this building that wants to become more like Jesus? Here's the secret. Spend more time with him. Get close to him. Fall in love with him. Be with him. And the closer you are to him, the more you become like him. Oh God. This is righteousness by faith. 
their deliverance from Egypt was twofold. When, the, when Israel walked out of bondage and when she then stepped into the fulfillment of promise. Let me show it to you. Deuteronomy 6, 21 through 23. We, we read this now. Two weeks ago, but, I, but I, there's something else I want to point out. Then you shall sh say to your son, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. That's where we were. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. That's half deliverance. God brings you out. I'm no longer who I was. I'm no longer where I come from. That's part of the deliverance. But look at verse 23 with me. He says, then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. God only delivers people from something to deliver them to something. God said, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt, but that's not enough. I've got a land for you. A land that flows with milk and honey. A land that you and your family can dwell in. A land that generations will call their own. It's not enough for me to bring you out. I want to bring you in. Our God is talking to somebody here today. He can bring you out of whatever you're struggling with. He can bring you out of the world. He can bring you out of hopelessness. He can bring you out of confusion. But he wants to take you in to a land, to a place called his kingdom called his church where there's love there's joy there's peace there's fulfillment he does not idly deliver people to prove that he can he only lifts people from the miry clay that he might place them on a rock Jephthah God will set me free his name reveals deliverance with a design, power with a purpose, and rescue with a reason. What God does in our life is designed to propel us to believe him, to do something similar in other people's lives. Just like Jephthah, God uses us to set others free. It wasn't just that God was trying to set Jephthah free. God then said, now Jephthah, I want you to go back home and set your family free. Hear me, my dear brother and friend. It's God's desire not just to free you. But he's thinking of all your relatives. He's thinking of all your loved ones. He's thinking of those kids and possibly grandkids that aren't even born yet. He's thinking of everyone down the line saying, if I set him free, if I set her free, then I'll set the whole family free. And then they'll never know what the inside of a prison cell looks like. They'll never know what the inside of a bar looks like. They'll never know what the back alley looks like. Because when I set him free, I'll set them free. Someone gave a child, the son of a prostitute, a word from God. It was a gift of love. It was a name better than his circumstance. As I come to a close, the musicians would come. Friend, don't allow your circumstances to define you. Because you may be where you are right now, but that doesn't mean you have to stay there. 
I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did this morning. You don't have to stay there. Because that's not you. God sees hope inside of you. God sees potential and God sees purpose. You are not where you come from. You're not where you are. You are who God says you are. And God will set you free. Jesus wants to give you a name better than your circumstance. And does anybody want to guess what that name is? And how you apply that name to your life? You see, when you are baptized in water for the removal of your sins in the name of Jesus Christ, you then receive a name that is better than your circumstance. But, 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 but preacher, uh, uh, my name, uh, my family name isn't very influential. My, my family name isn't very popular. My family name isn't really well known outside of our neighborhood. Can I tell you, when you get baptized in Jesus' name, you take on a name to your life that will be better than any circumstance and situation that you will ever find yourself. It's the name of Jesus. Look at what Acts 4 and 12 says. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The name is Jesus. And I've come to tell you there's salvation in that name. There's deliverance in that name. There's healing in that name. There's victory in that name. The name that is above every name. There was a group of folks that wanted a name better than their circumstance. And they were cut to their heart, one translation of the Bible says. And they looked around at Peter and the disciples and they said, we want that name that's better than our circumstance. We want that name that will pull us out of every struggle and every difficulty we face from here till eternity. How do we get that name? And maybe there's somebody here today that preacher, I want that name. I need that name over my life. I need that name on my family. I need that name on my future. How, how do I get that name? Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Does anybody have that name applied to their life today? I'm here to tell you friend that's how you get the name that's how the name comes on you you go down in this watery grave in the powerful name of Jesus and your sins are washed away your past is forgotten you get a new identity and a new family and belong to the church and become a son and daughter of the most high and that's what three individuals are going to do today it's more than just a ceremony it's more than just a church sacrament when you go down in the name you get forgiven of all your sins 
when you go down in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You then get a name that's better than your circumstance. Oh, it's more than just praying a prayer, friend. Prayer is wonderful, but it's just the first step. It's more than raising your hands and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. It's more than filling out a card that says, I want to be a member of this church. It's more than going through classes to then become an official member of an organization or group or church. If you want to become a part of the family of God, if you want that name over your life, you need to go down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. And then you have a name that's better than your circumstances. Would you stand with me today as I close? Right there where you're standing, I'll finish. The story doesn't end there, however. You got to go to the New Testament. Or in other words, the back of the book to see the end of the story. Because in Hebrews Hall of Faith, we find God's heroes and heroines. And toward the end of the list, sandwiched between the strongest man ever in Scripture and a man whose heart was after the very own heart of God was the son of a prostitute. Give me Hebrews 11.32, please. Watch what it says. And what more shall I say that I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, there's Samson, Jephthah, and about David, and Samuel, and the prophets sandwiched between all these great heroes of faith all between the prophets and a man after God's own heart and Samson the strongest man in our Bible was Jephthah a no name who was rejected by his family who later became the ninth judge of all Israel what is this telling me that God is true to his word Jephthah you made it Jephthah you're on Mount Rushmore of the heroes of faith Jephthah everybody counted you out but you're among the greats of faith Jephthah nobody saw anything in you but God decided to put you on his Mount Rushmore. Why? Because he had a name that was better than his circumstance. And there's a God in this place that wants to put his name on you. Oh God. And for those of you that have forgotten, you have a name that's better than your circumstance. But pastor, you don't know what I've been struggling with all week. Can I tell you that the name of Jesus is more powerful than any fear that you might face? Oh, but pastor, I've been struggling with my emotions. Can I tell you that the name of Jesus is greater than worry? It's greater than depression. It's greater than any sickness that may be in your body. There is a name greater. 